Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to A Good Football Show. My name is Pat Corain. I am joined by John Daigle, NBC Sports Edge, to talk waivers for the first time and for many times this season, in the longest season of all time. John, how's it going? You genuinely have no idea how excited I am to talk about anything else than what we talked about the past five months. <laughs> we are done with screenshotting best ball rosters. We're not we are done. done. Oh, we are definitely done. We are done with season-long outlooks. We are now talking about case-by-case matchups and how to attack your fantasy matchups just via your lineup for one week. It's amazing. It's incredible. Well, I'm going to tag you in my one of my final best ball screens. Please do here. not. But you're right. We are we are moving on. This is uh, the last hurrah for drafting. And it's time to look ahead. You know, if you happen to draft way too many teams that you have to manage and now you're dreading all of these waivers that you're going to have to do, you know, this is going to be the show where we're going to help you not just kind of get by on the waivers, but win your league as so many of these managed leagues are won through the waiver wire. Um, shout out to our, our researcher, PJ, who looked up some of the past guys who um, have come off waivers. So we're going to get into obviously all the big stuff, the Ravens backfield, the Jets backfield, some, some uh, deep guys, obvious guys who might be on the waiver wire in some of these leagues that drafted early. But I did just want to start with some historical notes here. Last year, as people will remember, James Robinson and Miles Gaskin were the two big guys. Uh, Robinson was drafted 70th among running backs. He finished uh, running back seven in PPR, running back seven and half PPR. Miles Gaskin didn't even have an ADP in standard leagues. He finished running back 27 in half PPR, 28th in PPR. Raheem Mostert in 2019 didn't have an ADP. He came in as the PPR running back 26 over the course of the season. And of course, you know, was having big weeks down the stretch, Philip Lindsay in 2018, Tyler Boyd in 2018, uh, Vance McDonald was a nice tight end, uh, off the wire in 2018. So we've had a lot of guys, uh, having huge impacts. Alex Collins was another guy who had no ADP in 2017 and finished 21st in PPR. So we're getting lots of really, really valuable players. And we want to be ahead of the curve on all these guys, so let's talk through it. The Ravens is going to be the, the place to start here. Um, obviously, we had the J.K. Dobbins injury. We now know that Justice Hill tore his Achilles. That increases the value of Tyson Williams. It may also lead to the Ravens adding a back. John, how are you viewing the Ravens backfield? Well, now, given the Justice Hill injury that you just mentioned, the Ravens have literally two bodies, two running backs to utilize. And this is a team that has led the league and run play rate neutral game script for two consecutive seasons. Uh, And actually, 
Tyson Williams has been a prospect, four-star prospect, and a terrific player in the past. Averaged over five yards per carry as a workhorse in his final year at BYU before tearing his ACL, was out all of last year. That's why a lot of people actually thought he was a rookie since he came out of nowhere this year. But he recovered, bounced back, obviously, this preseason with over five yards per carry on a team-high 24 rushes. So a very talented player. The issue, of course, just like Gus Edwards, is that his ceiling only gets there if he catches passes. And all that is is hope. All that is is coach speak to this point, which I personally don't believe. If it happens, it would be wild to me that they just don't pass to running backs. The league's third and fourth fewest targets the past two years to that backfield because that's not what the offense does. It's not what Lamar Jackson does. So even so, with Justice Hill out the way now, again, two bodies, and that's what we're betting on here, especially for leagues. Again, FFPC, not like Yahoo, have been running since past the draft. So the first waivers run of high stakes leagues is coming up this Wednesday, Tuesday night overnight. And so to get a body like this for a run-heavy offense with a favorable schedule typically doesn't happen. Even James Robbins, who you mentioned last year, was with Divine Azigbo. And we took that conversation and argument down to the wide to week one Mm -hmm. and Robinson's the one who just won out so it's a situation like that except it's very clear what's happening here Gus Edwards essentially becomes the lesser J.K. Dobbins and now Tyson Williams becomes Gus Edwards in a 1B role and so that's why we're bidding on him and when it comes to another running back Sony Michelle for instance who I'm sure we're going to talk about shortly Tyson Williams to me is the clear player we're bidding on uh, just given the favorable path for everything in his way interesting and I, I think with Williams there's enough uncertainty here. Like I, I agree he's not going to catch passes, but he's coming off the wire. So, you know, if Gus Edwards were on the wire right now, we'd be going pretty hard after Gus Edwards, you know, Absolutely. in a league where he just wasn't drafted. We'd be pretty aggressively targeting Gus Edwards. And we know for a fact that Gus Edwards will not catch passes. Um, but with Justice Hill going down, the concern that maybe Williams wasn't really the number two running back is gone. We now know for a fact that he is. So that, you know, to the point on a Zigbo clears up some of that ambiguity, which is so important that we now know, you know, the bottom isn't going to fall out on Williams in that way. Uh, whatever veteran they sign will be, I think pretty clearly the running back three there. You they also tried have out. To- oh, sorry. I was just gonna say they tried out Le'Veon Bell, who was healthy scratch for the playoffs yeah. and Devontae Freeman, who couldn't make it past the final cuts of the preseason with the saints. Like anyone yeah. they sign next, uh, we don't even know if they're going to be active on game days. Cause those guys don't play special teams anyways. And the one guy that I think can kind of play that was out there is Duke Johnson, and he's now on the Jacksonville practice squad. Yeah. So I guess they could technically sign him off the practice squad, um, but you know I wouldn't necessarily expect that. So, um, and even Duke Johnson wouldn't necessarily be like a huge no. impediment. Duke Johnson's yeah, also, going to be retired, and people are still going to be citing his Miami <laughs> stats. It's true. With Dobbins going down and Hill going down, those were the two guys in this on this depth chart who had you know, who were going to play all the passing snaps. Now, were they going to get a lot of targets on those passing snaps? No, they were going to block a lot. They were going to run empty routes. But it's still, I think, hopeful for Williams that there's a lot of passing snaps available now, and I don't know that Gus Edwards will get them. So I I think it's possible that Williams is the weaker version of J.K. Dobbins now, and Gus Edwards is still Gus Edwards. Like, I wouldn't – I don't think that's crazy. I don't necessarily expect – that to happen, but that's, I think that's your upside is that he kind of emerges, not just as the the version of what Gus Edwards was going to be, but actually a little bit more because he's going to be playing on those passing down snaps, right? You know, Gus Edwards doesn't catch passes at all. Yeah, that's fine. I wouldn't be bidding on that. Again, I think 
the whomever leads this backfield and catches like the ceiling is 30 I'd, it's I'd probably be surprised if they reach 30 honestly because again i just yeah. don't believe the coaches this is what they said the past few years not only about passing the running backs but the passing game as a whole i don't believe they're going to pass more that is not the makeup of their offense that's not what makes them special i understand passing is more efficient when you have lamar jackson you do other things really well and so i don't believe that at all uh, i'm not bidding on that hoping for that i'm bidding on a player especially if you waited for running back anyhow and now you're in a position where you have to bid on a player like Sonny Michelle or Tyson Williams like that's why we're bidding on him because we basically have to start him and the schedule especially week one you know you can roll him out there as an RB2 like I'll have him ranked over Naeem Hines uh, I'm still getting into week one content so I haven't done week one rankings just yet I don't want to I'm still fearing week one <laughs> scheduling but yeah uh, the rankings like Tyson will be quite high okay so what percentage of your free agent budget would you be spending on uh, Tyson Williams it's a terrific question. So we talk in percentages because Yahoo typically is 100 and FFPC is typically 1,000. For a player, let's say, and we can use this transition as well to Marquez Callaway, Sony Michelle, because I think we're all quite confident, I would think so anyways, in Marquez Callaway. And so mm-hmm. I, was, I was thinking closer to uh, 15 to 20% in the range of Callaway or Sony Michelle or Tyson Williams. Uh, you know your rosters better than me. You know which player you need, especially if you're trying to win the flex. Callaway is a player that works perfectly in a build like that because if his upside is the Saints wide receiver one, and what we are hearing, at least I'm hearing in the background, is that uh, we should be a little more down on Michael Thomas's injury than what is perceived on the outside. Uh, it's possible Callaway is here for the long game. So um, I would say whichever player you want, I'm looking at 15 to 20%. I think 10 to 12% is the conservative route. Okay, so you would be basically putting Williams in with these obvious guys like Callaway and Michelle are really the guys who, if you drafted early, and they are available in some of these FFPC leagues that I'm in. Not a ton, but, you know, some of the earlier ones, Callaway sitting out in one of them. And Michelle's in a few. Yeah, so if you're in that type of situation, how would you be ranking these guys? It sounds like you're saying it depends on the league, but I guess between Williams and Michelle, if you are going to go hard after one of them, Who's actually going at the higher bid percentage for you with, between those two running backs? It is, oh, and, and it's so close. I'm, I still keep in my column right now because I'm just finalizing it. I literally keep cutting and pasting and just copying them back and <laughs> forth. Um, I think I'm leaning Tyson Williams because I believe in the offense more. I've been scooping up Ravens. And, again, this is the last time we get to talk season outlooks. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, I've been scooping up all the Ravens and drafts this offseason because the discount is there. Um, everyone is knocking yeah. them for the regression that we knew was going to happen. And then the regression stopped in their last six games. Mark Andrews averaging 14 fantasy points a game. Marquise Brown averaging 15 and a half fantasy points per game. Lamar Jackson averaging a 66% completion rate and 11 and a half carries per game. Like the regression stopped. They were back to the MVP caliber offense. And that's what I'm banking on. And that's what I'll be banking on again. So I will lean Tyson Williams, but it's so subjective. If someone said Sony Michelle for that same 15 to 20%, totally fine. I won't argue at all. I think that Michelle will ultimately go for more than Williams is my read. Um, it sounded like, you know, just kind of just asking around, it sounded like the consensus on him was going to be at least 30%, maybe more like 40 to 45%. So, um, now I don't know. These things are very fluid and every league's different. But I wonder if, you know, if if you're, you know, in your situation where you're viewing these guys very similarly, if putting in a bid for both of them right around 20 percent, you know, 
you they're scooping a, a falling Michelle in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. an underpriced Michelle compared to where I think he'll be in most leagues. And then it probably is also a fairly aggressive bid on Williams. In most, in most cases, I think that will net Williams, but it might also net a cheaper share of, of Sony Michelle. So, and that's why it's such a unique conversation, not only for the player spin, because Sony Michelle, we can't predict injuries, but we know he's had chronic knee and ankle injuries. Right. Um, he's, he's, he's like very liable, liable. And so that's why it's concerning to bid an excessive amount for him. And I understand your fab is not like draft capital. So like if you went zero RB, it's not the same thing as saying all volatility. We need to then attach and correlate to our fab as well. But at the same time, it's still concerning because that's why you're not going all in on one RB. And so to put in like 30 to 40% on Sonny Michelle, that seems wild to me. But at the same time, when a, if a player, I told you hypothetically, were available in a backfield that is scheduled to face projected to face the league's easiest schedule of rushing opponents uh, or opposing rushing defenses, you would say, okay, let's see how much I have to bid for that player. And that's what Sony Michelle has become with Daryl Henderson because the Rams are projected to face the league's easiest opposing schedule of rushing defenses. So it's a, it's a very unique spin. Also Sony Michelle in Yahoo leagues, your recreational leagues, 72% rostered. So like he's not even available there. Whereas Tyson Williams, since this Hill news came down, um, Tyson's only 29% overnight on Monday in the column. So it's just a, yeah, it's a it's a situation we're nitpicking, and I don't think there's a wrong answer, really. Yeah, I don't either. And the the interesting thing is that I, at least in the high stakes leagues, Callaway's usually drafted first of these guys. But I yes. think in a weird way, he also you might be able to get him. Like I don't know that someone's paying thirty percent of their budget for Marcus Callaway off the waivers. I could be wrong, but it seems like in a, in a way, I think that running backs might even be more popular. Even if we but, were in a draft, Callaway would go first. I have. I'm not going to say which league. Um, just in case, but I have a co-managed team with some friends that, you know, and, um, we have a zero RB build and Marcus Calloway fits has the fourth flex option quite nicely. And, mm-hmm. um, even so we sort of lowball, like we're looking at a 60 to $75 bid. And, uh, yep. cause we think we can sneak him in there since I think everyone will prioritize the running back because we also got lucky in that league and hit on a couple guys, even like Wayne Gallman just got lucky. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, but for FFPC, again, running backs are much more scarce because they're so prioritized in those leagues. Right. So, like, making sure you get Michelle or Tyson makes a difference, whereas, like, in Yahoo, uh, Callaway, that's kind of the guy you're targeting there because you can literally scrape running backs all every single week if you want to. Yeah, and I, I love your point about Callaway maybe potentially being the number one wide receiver there. So, in a league where, oh, yeah. you know – the, in a league where, especially if you want running back heavier and you know there's a bigger backstop at running back and these, these FFPC leagues where any running back with a pulse is going to be on a roster, then Callaway is a lot more interesting in, in the Yahoo setting, I think. Uh, let's get to the deep cuts. Um, oh, sorry. No, before before that, let's get to the Jets backfield. Jets backfield is uh, one of those situations that we had Michael Carter, very expensive, kind of the clear guy, and then Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson kind of afterthoughts for the beginning of the year. Now Carter is much cheaper, but he's still, you know, somewhat expensive. And I would, he's got to be like hundred percent drafted, right? The other guys though, are starting to move up a little bit in late drafts and are certainly interesting in, you know, situations where they are on the waiver, which guy are you more interested in between Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson? To your point, there is no one I was more wrong on early in the rankings process than Michael Carter, uh, who I intently pinned 
two rounds ahead of consensus ADP to ensure like everyone who looked at my CSV and rankings in May, June, and July added him in their five to six RB builds. But we saw also there was arguably no bigger loser from the preseason process than Carter. Um, Week one, he was outsnapped by Ty Johnson, 13 to nine, including four to one on third downs as the secondary passing back in a game Tevin Coleman was unavailable for. So that already showed a negative light to us. And then in week two, Tevin returns and both Tevin and Ty Johnson play every first team snap with Zalk Wilson ahead of Michael Carter, who literally had to wait until Mike freaking white came on the field, to see any time at all. And then the jets bench Zach Wilson, Tevin Coleman and other starters for the final preseason game. And yet Ty Johnson still out snapped Michael Carter for, 14 to 12. And so what that tells us is that there's an obviously pecking order here for better or worse. And that is Tevin Coleman first, who uh, is available like Ty Johnson on Yahoo. And I will put him literally one slot in the same tier ahead of Ty Johnson. When you read the column tomorrow morning, or actually after the show, I'll post it. Um, and then I'll put Ty Johnson slightly behind him. And then Michael Carter, who again is available. I do ponder. And I think we are overrating the three down possibilities that Michael Carter has given that we know this is going to stay a committee since Michael Ford wants to run the 49ers offense he was bred in and then also the fact that they are continuing to use everyone including Tevin Coleman as a starter who again is the only running back familiar with this playbook and so uh, I am absolutely concerned about Michael Carter yeah me too I've, I've been trying to buy the dip a little bit on Michael Michael Carter but I also like you was kind of into him earlier um, and thought I was buying a dip on him when he was going in like the ninth round. And that's not, that wasn't the dip. <laughs> the dip right. is if he's in the 11th or 12th now. Um, so definitely a little concerned about Michael Carter, but I've been very bullish on Ty Johnson throughout the process. I've also been trying to grab Tevin Coleman when he slipped, even though I'm a little bit worried about, you know, betting on Tevin Coleman, given what he's shown over the last few years with the injuries and, I just think he might be kind of winding things down here, but when he's cheap, I have, I have added him because I do think there's going to be value in this jets backfield. You mentioned the ties to San Francisco. I think we could be looking at a a backfield that's similar in a sense where it's a true committee, but on a weekly basis, the guy who's getting the work that week is pretty useful. Now, are we going to be able to predict who that guy is for these managed leagues and, you know, actually put them in our starting lineup when we need to, I, that's a little bit of a concern for me, um, but I don't know. How do you view? How do you view that part of this committee? Do you think there's going to be any way to predict this on a weekly basis? Because that would make picking these guys up, you know, a lot more valuable. Well, I mean, that's the argument for so many players. I mean, outside of the big three we mentioned, Tyson, Sony, Michelle, and Marcus Callaway, I mean, you can make that argument for literally every single player. It's week one. The players aren't being drafted because they don't have roles. At least a majority of us are perceiving it that way because we're passing on them. I checked both drafts I did with friends from July and draft I did literally last night. And like a draft in the past two weeks, every player is useless. I dare you to find one player you're interested in outside of just being bored and wanting to make a move. Like no one, you have to wait to see the usage. That's it. And so uh, that, I, that's just it. You have a couple deep cuts also you wanted to mention, like uh, let's Carlos Hyde, for instance. I mean, when do you start Carlos Hyde with confidence? Um, it's almost like you're waving the white flag if you start Carlos Hyde. Uh, same for like Malcolm Brown, who we think, even though there was news today that Miles Gaskin could be the guy, like if Malcolm Brown is still in a committee, when do you start Malcolm Brown? Like, aren't you just chalking up your team to a loss if you start Malcolm Brown? So like I get into that question in my head with so many players off the waiver wire. 
Yeah, I guess with the, you know, some of these guys, you can talk yourself into, like, let's say Carlos Hyde. Thank you for making me make the bull case for Carlos Hyde. I'm so, so happy <laughs> to do this. Um, but with Carlos Hyde, if James Robinson were to miss a game, Carlos Hyde would be live for like an 80% snap share. Maybe not if they activate Duke Johnson, but like they might just play Carlos Hyde all the time. So that type of setup is a little bit harder for me to see with the Jets. One, because there's three guys. Two, because if it's similar to San Francisco, it might not be that way. But at the same time, San Francisco has been a place of real fantasy value. We, we've started Jeff Wilson and he's crushed. We we knew to start him and then he did. We, we started Raheem Mostert and he's crushed. We, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so I think it's like I'm I'm a little bit tentative about what the Jets are ultimately going to be in terms of the predictability, but because these guys are really cheap, uh, I'm willing to, to make that bet and hope that it and, ends up being a lot like San Francisco. And by the way, since so many different players of so many different formats and leagues read the waiver wire column, like uh, that's why I parse it. I even have, to your point, the contingency top 10 every single week. And it begins tomorrow mm-hmm. where I literally just have, here's the running backs. Like I stashed, these are how I rank them. Like just thinking these are the contingency guys who have no standalone value, but if an injury happens ahead of them, a Chuba Hubbard, a Tony Pollard, for instance, even though that's another argument for another day, um, <laughs> like this guy could be like right here, a top, my top 10. And so I will put that in the column just for everyone to sort through just in case those are the type of guys they want to stash. But like, yeah, when it comes down to that and predicting injury, I don't even get in the weeds in it. I try to save my mental capacity for something that matters. Yep. So what, uh, what percentage oh, oh. And by the way, to your point really quick, if that's the case, if you want to dive that deep into the Jets' backfield, then I would say, and maybe I change it because of this conversation we just had, Ty Johnson over Tevin Coleman, because at least in limited reps I know, but in the preseason, if Ty Johnson was being used in the third down role over Michael Carter, then if Tevin Coleman is injured, then it's Ty Johnson. But if Ty Johnson is injured, we don't know. Maybe Michael Carter has the passing down role over Tevin Coleman. So for that reason... Yeah, I think I just we just went ahead and bumped Ty Johnson up in the rankings. There you go. All right. Yeah, I'm 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 Ty Johnson over Tevin Coleman personally. Okay. Pers- partially just because it, now, if a guy can catch passes and is fast and has a role to playing time, I'm going to be in. It, it is the tallest short person in the room. Like it just doesn't. It's yeah. yeah it's all the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, sure. T- Ty Johnson over Tevin Coleman. Yeah. Okay. So what percentage would you be spending on on these guys? Oh, not much. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, uh, I think I'll probably put them in the two to five, five to eight range. Probably. Yep. F- God, I don't even want to put them in the five to eight. I haven't put down the numbers just yet for that. But yeah, they're going to be in two to eight percent. Not much. Hey, I think in FFPC, if you want Ty Johnson, you're going to have to go 10 to 15. And I would be OK with that. But um, okay. I'm, a, I'm a Ty Johnson stand. So that's fair. <laughs> Um, and y'all and Yahoo, I, I think two percent of a hundred is like just fine. I don't, I don't think we need to freak out about Ty Johnson. Yeah, that's fair. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. 
The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Before we get to the deep cuts, we are... Technically still in the final days of draft season. So to help you get an edge on your competition, we've extended 20, uh, 20% off our annual subscription using the code FBPOD20. That's all caps, FBPOD20. So to get fully prepared for your draft using our player rankings, projections, tiers, league sync, and many other tools, sign up with uh, FBPOD20 to get 20% off. Once you're done drafting, make sure to set favorite players and alerts for everyone on your team. So you can get the news feed just for your players. It's pretty sweet. Uh, or who you're eyeing on the waiver wire. Very topical to the waiver wire show. Let's dive into the deep cuts. These are guys that um, more for the, the high stakes types of league, even dynasty types of leagues, uh, you know, or some deeper formats. Tyler Croft, Tyler Conklin, Anthony Ferkser are some guys who have emerged at tight end. Conklin with the Irv Smith injury. Um, becoming a little interesting. I don't know if Chris Herndon has any interest to you, Daigle. Tyler Croft, potentially the Jets, like, only tight end of interest. They, they did uh, bring back Ryan Griffin after cutting him. Um, one of those, like, vested veteran type of cut the guy, tell him to stick around, we're going to sign you once we put someone on IR type of things. But that's not, like, great for a guy's playing time if they're willing to cut you. So Croft really might have a big edge there uh, over the tight end two. And then Ferkser, who's been kind of in the preseason usage wasn't great for him, but um, at the same time, he might have a pass catching role on the Titans with a, a thin depth chart uh, at wide receiver after uh, uh, AJ Brown and Julio Jones. So those tight ends, how are you viewing them, Diggle? That's just it. I Everyone is perceiving Anthony Ferkser correctly. Um, he didn't play at all in two tight end sets over the first two preseason games. Uh, only did so in the third game whenever Tommy Hudson, who's still on the roster, missed a few snaps in the first quarter. And then when Hudson came back from injury later in that game, Ferkser then played exclusively from 11 personnel on third downs. But still in 19 offensive snaps in the preseason, 12 of those he lined up either out wide or from the slot. And that's for an offense that opens the year against the Cardinals, Seahawks, Colts, Jets, Jaguars, Bills, and Chiefs. And so we can easily make the argument and put money on it that Tyler Croft plays significantly more snaps than Anthony Ferkser. But I would still be willing to bet that Anthony Ferkser will outscore Tyler Croft weekly and just provide more value being in a better offense with a better quarterback and shootouts that need to happen because they'll just need to use them on passing downs. And so for me, you have your pick of litter again in Yahoo. You even have Zach Ertz, Austin Hooper, Cole Komet. You don't have to dig this far. But this deep cut segment is intriguing this year as we continue to still whittle out the show. This is the first year you and I are doing it together because you also play deep high stakes leagues like I do. And so we can bounce these things off of one another. And so I rank them, Ferkser, and then Tyler Croft, and then Tyler Conklin. The issue being for Tyler Croft that 
He spiked seven touchdowns and 400 yards as a full-time player with the Bengals in 2017. But in, since that time, has only totaled 22 catches across 26 of a possible 48 games the past three years um, because he's been injured. He'll be 29 in October. He has zero athleticism to speak of. He literally doesn't offer anything that we usually chase in a tight end except for the fact he's just going to be out there breathing and running. And so like, yeah, if that's what we're I, looking for, chase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if that's what we're looking for, that's okay. But if someone said Tyler Conklin, and I would have said Tyler Conklin easily over the snaps that Croft will get if they hadn't traded for Chris Herndon. And even though it was a pick swap, they got a sixth round pick back. It was still a fourth round pick they give up. So it gives me slight concern thinking that Chris Herndon may make a dent in Conklin snaps. Yeah, I think I'm still Ferkser over Croft in like normal leagues um, mm-hmm. because – I get the concern with Berkser through the preseason, but you know, to your point, he's still going to have a pass catching role. And it's like, what am I supposed to panic that the guy might only have a pass catching role when that's the only way to score points? Like I don't really care if Anthony Berkser is blocking a lot, right? He's out there enough. Now, if he only is playing 45% of the snaps and he's Dan Arnold, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But if he's out there enough and he's running a high percentage of the routes, then I think Anthony Berkser can certainly pay off um, a very, very late ADP and and a waiver wire ad. And as we know, it's such a black hole of non-existence that three catches probably equals the tight end 14 every week. And so Mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, pick your guy. I'm not going to argue with you one over other. This is how I rank them, but Jesus, it's a bad position. (laughs) Yeah. I I would say with, uh, with Croft, he's a, and I'm, I think I'm just wish casting here, but with the tight end premium, if you happen to hit a guy who actually matters at the position, it really, really matters for the success within your league. Croft, I think, has maybe slightly better odds of hitting a high ceiling just purely because this offense, the Shanahan offense, the Kubiak offense, you know, this whole tree tends to utilize a tight end. You know, a ten, you know, we got the bootleg mm-hmm. stuff. We got we got a lot of plays that use a tight end. Croft might just dominate tight end routes and, you know, it's not going to be like a Kittle situation, but it could be like Janu finally coming through in that same, you know, type of system. This is the system Irv Smith was going to be in. We're excited about him. This is a system in which Kyle Rudolph was useful. Like there's basically guys who we are not excited about are able to be pretty useful within this particular system. And he so quickly dispatched Chris Herndon with the new coaching staff that I think they might have some plans to use him a decent amount. I felt slightly more confident about putting his breathing into my lineup until they literally brought back Ryan Griffin and Dan Brown 24 hours later, like they cut him and they just re-signed him for cheap. And maybe that doesn't matter, but that means that Trevon Wesco isn't the only tight end of the roster. Now they're back having three or four guys. Yeah, it's the Richard Rodgers type of – It's the I thought the Bills were doing this with Jacob Hollister. There's a lot where they, they right. cut the guy and they, they, you know, they end up bringing him back. But, yeah, I mean, it's still like – it's not a great sign for their playing time that they will eventually have another team uh, scoop them up. I, I, got a, I got one more to go, go through real quick. Um, again, we're, we're still sifting this out together, and so ideally we keep the waiver pod to 20 or 30 minutes for everyone. Um, week one, clearly not going to be concise, but let's just keep talking. Uh, and I'll quickly go to Boston Scott. And that is because Eagles beat writer Elliot Shoreparks 
can't score a touchdown, couldn't look and do a home run, and probably couldn't get two points in an NBA game. But he understands catering to a billion-dollar industry and charting <laughs> backfield touches with the first-team offense throughout camp. And while Sanders finished with 33 more touches per Elliott than Boston Scott in camp, Sanders compiled just two more catches, 28 to 26, because Scott is expected to work over Sanders in the passing game. And reportedly, Sanders dropped several passes, which is why they removed him from that personnel in camp. And so I do think Scott has a much bigger role than we perceive, even if he's like, if he comes out surprising as a one B back, like that's someone in FPC who offers just tons of value. And so uh, that's someone I'll definitely be prioritizing behind the range we've already talked about. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm a, I've been a little bit nervous to invest in Scott because mm-hmm. I like Kenny Gainwell a lot. And I, I think that's that fair. that role could eventually belong to Gainwell down the stretch. So Scott, I think is, more interesting to me and in spots where I feeling pretty weak at running back to start the year. But I do agree. There's going to be a second running back role in this offense. That role is going to have passes. That role is probably going to have some screens associated with it. So could be pretty valuable. And I also could be wrong about game. Well, and it could just be Scott all year. So I like that one. A uh, couple deeper names. I've already mentioned, already mentioned uh, Carlos Hyde. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is a guy that I've been kind of mixing in to the, the late rounds of my last Best ball drafts, also someone I'm poking around on the waiver wire for. And then Wayne Gallman, you know, he ends up in Atlanta, the RB3 there, um, perhaps kind of the secondary rusher there. Uh, any of these deep cut running backs jump out to you? Wait, who's the – are you considering Cordero Patterson the RB2? Yeah. Oh, my. Okay. Um, they did sign Wayne Gallman, uh, presumably to play special team snaps is what they said. But, like, all signs point to – I don't – again, I don't know how he does it for a full year. Because he's not the kind of back we target, like a guy in his seventh year, 27 years old or whatever, that has yet to break out. Um, but man, there's just zero competition for Mike Davis. Cordero Patterson from the backfield is a free square for opposing defenses. He's a terrible running back. Like his vision does not do that well at all. Amazing, all pro, all world, Devin Hester like kick returner. But as a ball carrier, awful. It's amazing offenses still do that. Um, having said that quickly, I just wanted to run through some injuries ahead of week one. Uh, and I'll note a couple of these in the waiver wire column. But DeAndre Swift, we are still questioning whether he can go or mm-hmm. not from that groin injury. And if not, all roads lead back to Jamar Jefferson. Jamal Williams will probably outtouch him. Just be wary. That's a guy you probably need to put on your radar, uh, depending on the outlook for Swift. Saquon Barkley, everything seems like he's going to go in week one. I do wonder if he'll be limited or perhaps he just gets re-injured. And so if you have a dead spot on your roster, like a Javian Hawkins or whatever, that you can just cut, uh, Devontae Booker isn't the worst stash to just put there for week one, and perhaps you save yourself fab in the long run. Noah Fant has a leg injury. Sounds like he'll go. Big Dangio sounds pretty confident about it. Nonetheless, it would be Albert O, of course, who led the team in end zone targets in the few games he started for Noah Fant last year. T.Y. Hilton out six to eight weeks. I have no idea how quickly his decrepit body can degenerate or regenerate, but Paris Campbell will be in the slot nonetheless until that time. And so Campbell adds tremendous value for a team just looking for a deep wide receiver. Uh, If he stays healthy, he has high PPR upside. Tariq Cohen underwent a second procedure, even though the Bears tried to hide it. When they were asked about it, they just said they're not going to comment on it, which means he definitely did so. And uh, 
I think Damian Williams is looking beyond like the pup list. I think Damian Williams is going to mm-hmm. be here for the, for the entire season. I, I wonder if Cohen will play at all this year. And so uh, if he's available, he's not in a lot of leagues, but in Yahoo leagues, Williams is just a, an amazing pickup. Should have been drafted in the last round anyhow. And then Beckham sounds like he's going to go for week one, but we still don't know about Rashad Higgins. That's who we're waiting on. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, like he, he gave us, he paid our bills during this past month at training camp because every blurb was about him. He's done nothing but yeah. perform outstanding. And uh, week one, especially in a shootout, there is – a insightful range of outcomes that includes like Donovan people Jones just having a hundred yards because the Browns are just trying to match the chiefs point for points. If Higgins is out. Yep. I love all those uh, Jefferson and people's Jones kind of uh, remind me of, of one of the ways that I like to think through this stuff is, you know, if you can add a guy today for a couple bucks that is going to be worth in like four or five days, 20% of your budget, that's already a huge win. Like just getting in front of those moves in terms of how much it costs to pick people up, or you know, if you're just using straight waivers, like being able to add them before you know you're not going to be able to with the the waiver claim. That I think is something to be mindful of as you're trying to figure out which of these guys to prioritize. Uh, Jefferson, I mean, Jefferson on this first waiver wire run might cost twenty to thirty percent of your budget. For Sunday morning, if DeAndre Swift is inactive at least 10%. So that's just like, I, I think a way to help um, dial in how much you're uh, spending in terms of your fab for these guys. And that's how I, I mean, this is just like the nihilist in me, but that's how I perceive fantasy football drafts. Like everyone gets excited to draft. I see roster management and that's why I hate doing it. Uh, I see that I'm having to stay <laughs> up all night trying to find the next Mike Davis for $1, $2 fab. <laughs> Uh, every single Tuesday night and Thursday night. So uh, nonetheless, that's what we're going to do because we're done talking about the season long. We are now on to that portion of the season, and that's what we're going to do with Jamar Jefferson and others. Yep, uh, that'll do it. I'm going to go draft a couple more best ball teams because uh, I do like drafting. That's that's a big part of the reason uh, why I do I'm going to walk so. into the ocean. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know, make sure that you get back in time for the- our, our next Monday show uh, after week one. And of course, our regular season pod schedule begins this week. We have an in-season content schedule at, on the site at NBCSportsEdge.com, but it includes five shows a week, including the Friday DFS building block show at 6 p.m. Eastern, which will now be turned into a podcast for you to listen to on Saturday morning as well with Kyle Dvorak, myself, and Denny Carter. And then we'll be back here, not this time, but at halftime every Monday night football. And we'll see if we ever be able to finish by the time halftime comes to an end. Well, we're going to want to watch the game. So that'll be a good way to kind of it's keep true. the show tight. As you mentioned, there's never going to be more waivers to talk about then before week one. So we'll be back uh, to discuss that uh, Monday. I will also say we're going to be doing the Sunday recap show. So uh, I'll be hosting that John, you'll be on talking your games through as everyone else. will. Uh, looking forward to to doing that with you and with everyone every else. Uh, Monday morning. You can look forward to that in the podcast feeds. Yep. We're not doing exactly. that live because editing on your part, you would be up all night long. Yeah, I do require sleep as it turns out. So that's just going to be a <laughs> podcast. Uh, but uh, but thanks for joining me, John. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. Make sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Please like and subscribe on YouTube. And we will see you later this week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.